I'll carefully say good morning again. Is this one on, Sam? The pulpit? No. Okay. All right. Um, please join with me to turn to Daniel chapter 9. We'll continue our, our, um, our, our time as you turn there. Matt's going to chuck me the clicker. Oh, you, didn't, you don't trust my catching ability. <laughs> Daniel chapter 9, we're reading from, from verse 1 through to verse 19. Daniel chapter 9. Please follow along on the screen behind me if you wish. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, by, by descent Amid, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books that, that number the years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet, must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in the name to our king, in your name to our kings, our princes and our fathers, and to all the people of his of the of the land. Excuse me. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us open shame. As at this day to the men of Judah to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to all Israel, those who are near and those who are far away, in all the lands to which you have driven them, because of the treachery that they have committed against you. To us, O Lord, belongs open shame, to our kings, to our princes and to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse and oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we have sinned against him. He has confirmed his words which he spoke against us and against our rulers who ruled us by bringing upon us a great calamity. For under the whole heaven there has not been anything done like what has been done against Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come upon us, yet we have not entreated the favour of the Lord our God turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. Therefore, the Lord has kept ready the, the calamity and has brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in, in all the works that he has done, and we have not obeyed his voice. 
And now, O Lord, our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made a name for yourself as at this day, we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy hill, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have been have become a byword among all who are around us. Now therefore, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy for your own sake. O Lord, make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. O my God, incline your ear to hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake, O my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. Let me pray. Lord, this portion of scripture that we've just read out, we ask that you would help us to understand it, help us to apply it to our lives so that we may bring you glory, so that we may know your word and may know you. Lord, we ask for your spirit to to dwell amongst us this morning and for you to teach us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. How's your prayer life? US News uh, internet site belief.net funded a poll to learn the why, the how, the when and the where people pray. And here's a bit of a summary of the findings. 64% say that they pray more often than once a day. 56% say that they pray for family members, um, with a small 3.3% saying they pray for strangers. Now, this was a poll done in the US of of over 1,000 participants. A little over 38% say that that the most important purpose of prayer is intimacy with God. 41% say that their prayers are often answered. 1.5% say that their prayers are never answered. That's sad. 5% say that they pray most often in a house of worship. And 79% said that they they pray most often at home. 67% say that in the past six months, their prayers have related to continually giving thanks to God. Now, there's no surprising stats there. Um, If we're honest with ourselves, prayer is one thing that that we either, either struggle with or we do it well. And you don't have to go far through the book of Daniel to find out that Daniel was a man of prayer. 
Look at chapter 2 and he, we see that he calls a, a prayer meeting with his fellow associates, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And he calls them to prayer to, to ask God to give them wisdom in interpreting the king's dream. In chapter 6 last week we saw that, that Daniel was a man who prayed three times a day. And even when a law was passed that people were not allowed to pray to anything or anyone over the, the king, Daniel still prayed, not shut away in private, but with his windows wide open. And here in chapter 9, we see that Daniel not only prays for himself, but he prays for the entire nation of Israel while living in a foreign land. We see that he's resolute in prayer three times a day, day in, day out. Out of this passage this morning, I, I want to, to perhaps show you a useful tool for your prayer life. Now, by no means is this the only tool that you can use to help you in your prayer life, but it's, it's certainly a helpful one. The tool or structure is called ACTS, A-C-T-S. And it follows the, 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 um, the acronym of, or the acrostic of adoration, confession, thanksgiving and supplication. Now before we get into that, let's look at Daniel's physical approach that he, that he does before he prays. Have a look at verse 3 with me. Daniel says, Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Look at the physical approach that Daniel uses. He doesn't just sit down in his comfortable room and, and start praying, but he actually approaches God. Before he even says a word, he approaches him with sackcloth, ashes and fasting. And I know that, that fasting can be a swear word to Christians sometimes. But if you've ever tried fasting and praying, it, it does an amazing sort of... Um, it, it changes your approach to, to prayer. By putting off our comfortable physical uh, surroundings, both internally and externally, approaching God... In, in physical discomfort, showing that he is the one that we desire to have intimacy with. It just changes our, our heart attitude towards prayer. It prepares our hearts, but also our bodies to, to spend time with God. So as I said, adoration is the first aspect that we see in Daniel's prayer in chapter 9. We see that in verses 4 and parts of 7 and 9. And in his prayer, Daniel, Daniel firstly approaches God with this, this aspect of adoration for who God is, what his character is like. He states that God is great and awesome and merciful and covenant-keeping God, that he is righteous and forgiving 
Now, don't forget that Daniel's just spent the last 70 years, approximately, in exile. He's about 80 years old at this stage. He was roughly 15 when he, when he came into the king's service. And he's now spent the, the allotted time of 70 years in exile. He spent most of his life in a foreign land with, amongst their foreign gods and, and, and yet he's able to say God is still a covenant-keeping God. God is still a steadfast, loving God. God is merciful and holy and righteous. It says something about Daniel's knowledge of God, doesn't it? Do we approach God in this way? Again, I, I say that this is not the only approach to God, but it's certainly a, a biblical one. Do we approach him firstly as the creator of the earth and everything in it? Do we approach him as holy and righteous? Do we approach him as one saved by grace? You see, the way that we approach God in prayer says a lot about, a lot about our understanding of him. You have adoration for something that you love. Do you agree? Some examples of, of God, of approaching God in prayer from the, from the scriptures is from Psalm 50. Verse 1, I hope you can read that, that's very small. Psalm 50 verse 1 says, The Mighty One, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to the setting, to its setting. <coughs> Psalm 104 verse 1, Bless the Lord, O my soul, O Lord my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. And then Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, approaching God then, pray like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. To hallow something means to honour it as holy. I think that the hardest thing that, we, that I have about approaching God in this way is to continually just keep it as praise for it to not morph into thanks God for who you are or thanks God for what you have done but simply just to say you are good God you are great you are holy you are righteous to praise God for who he is instead of thanking him for what he has done for us I'm going to spend some time praying through each of these aspects and so I ask if you would join me with prayer. Lord God, you are great and your majesty extends across the earth. You speak and the sun rises, you, you speak and the rain falls. You are creator, you are redeemer and Lord. And there is none like you, Lord, we are here to praise your name this morning and, and yours alone. 
And just as Daniel says, you are merciful, you are just, you are righteous and holy. And Lord, before you, we bow down to worship you only this morning. Amen. The next aspect of Next aspect of prayer that we see is confession. And Daniel spends quite a bit of time confessing not only his sins, but for the sins of Israel. This is a natural flow on from honouring God as holy and then acknowledging who we are as people. Confessing our sins and and the fact that, that our sins separate us from God. And his will. And as I said, Daniel doesn't just do this personally, but he does it for the entire nation of Israel. Confessing Israel's idolatry and and adultery, that they've walked away from God and, and his statutes. When God gave the the land to Israel, he made a promise that if they were ever unfaithful in keeping their side of the, the covenant. God would be patient with them up until a point. And then beyond that, he would send judgment in the form of exile. He would send them out of the the nation of Israel, the land. You can read the, the entire stipulations, conditions of the covenant in Leviticus 26. But I just want to have a real quick look at it. Um, firstly, let's read again Daniel chapter 9, verses 10 to 13. Daniel's confession, he says, We have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse and the oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we have sinned against him. He has confirmed his words which he spoke against us and against our rulers who ruled us by bringing upon us a great calamity. For under the whole heaven there has not been anything done, not been done anything like what has been done against Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come upon us, yet we have not entreated the favour of the Lord our God, turning from your, our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. Turn over, if you will, to, to Leviticus chapter 26. And we can see that, that God outlines the the stipulations, the conditions of this covenant that so long as Israel is his people, the land shall be theirs. Verses 40 and 40, 40 to 42. But if they confess their iniquity and the iniquities of their fathers in their treachery that they committed against me and also in walking contrary to me, so that I walked contrary to them and brought them into the land of their enemies, if then their uncircumcised heart is humbled 
and they make amends for their iniquity. Then I will remember my covenant with Jacob, and I will remember my covenant with Isaac, and my covenant with Abraham, and I will remember the land. So God said way back in Leviticus that if they turn from their evil ways, we will, he will return them to the land. Daniel is trying to invoke action from God. He knows that the allotted time of exile is up. And he's saying, God, please act. The time has now come for you to act. And we are confessing our sins that we didn't walk in, our, in your statutes. We didn't walk in your ways. He's asking God to hear his prayer and, and act and bring them out of exile. Have a look at Psalm 38, 18. I confess my iniquity. I am sorry for my sin. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And again, Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Confession is not just saying sorry for your sins. It's not just acknowledging your sins, but it's as much acknowledging who we are in Christ as well. Romans 10.9, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's an element of confession there. Confession is the second step in approaching a holy God in an appropriate way. It makes sure that there's no sin hindering our prayers, getting between us and God, provided that we're truly humble and honest about our sin. Pray with me again. Lord God, we come before you this morning and acknowledge that we, we sometimes, quite often, ignore your laws and your statutes. We have sinned against you and, and even when you show us and even when you try and lead us away from temptation, we, we still return there like a pig to mud. Lord, for this we are sorry. We ask for your forgiveness. We ask for your spirit to lead us away from temptation. Thank you, Lord, that the blood of Jesus washes us clean of our sins, that in him we can have salvation. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanksgiving is our third uh, aspect of our acronym Acronym or acrostic? Acronym, okay. The thing that, that the Queensland government loves to use. Thanksgiving. There's not a lot of thanksgiving in Daniel, in Daniel's prayer. But he does think back to a time that, that marked the forming of the nation of Israel. Have a look at verse 15. It says, And now, O Lord, 
our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made a name for yourself. Daniel thinks back to the Exodus, where Israel was formed as a nation, where they were called out of, Israel, of, of Egypt, out of slavery. He thinks back to the Exodus, where God's mighty hand worked in a way that, that they'd never seen before. If you didn't get time to, to get here on, a, on Monday night, Chris McCleavy uh, gave a great talk about the Exodus, and specifically of how the Old Testament is applicable to us as New Testament Christians. And if you didn't get there, I recommend um, finding the link for it on the, on the website or, um, or asking myself or Brad Smith and we can give you a, a copy of the link. Do you agree that we have so much to be thankful for? very fact that we have the right amount of oxygen and carbon dioxide in this room is something to be thankful for. Because more of one or the other can make us sick or, or essentially kill us. We've got to be thankful for the sun rising in the morning and setting at night to give us the cool of night. But much greater than that is the fact that God has called us out of our slavery to sin, saved us from the penalty to our sin, and he laid that, that penalty upon his son who rose from the dead, who, who has brought us new life with God. We can be thankful that we have peace with God for his grace, through his grace. We can be thankful that, that Jesus was the perfect sacrifice, we can be thankful that we can call God our Father, that we can, He calls us His children. We can thank Him for His provision, for His protection, for His correction. You ever thanked God for that? We can thank Him for, for loved ones. We can thank Him for the local church. We can thank Him for those that we know that don't know Christ, that we can have an impact in their lives. Flick over to Colossians chapter 3, and this is the last time I'll, I'll ask you to flick somewhere. Colossians chapter 3, 12 to 15. The Apostle Paul writes, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. Put on compassionate hearts kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another and, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you all must, also must forgive. And above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to, in, to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. Paul's almost just chucked that in there as a, as a little statement. 
but it's a sentence all of its own because of the fact that being thankful to God for what he has done for us is something that is distinctive of a Christian. To be thankful to God changes our attitude towards life in general because you can't be grumpy and cranky when you're thankful. You can try. If Paul can write these words from a hard, stony, cold, damp prison cell, then we can be thankful no no matter what our circumstances, can't we? Paul never writes something that he doesn't that he isn't prepared to do himself. Have a look at this quote from Billy Graham from, from late last year. Thanksgiving, the giving of thanks to God for, for all his blessings, should be one of the most distinctive marks of the believer in Jesus Christ. We must not must not allow a spirit of ingratitude to harden our heart and chill our relationship with God and with others. Be thankful, folks. Let me pray again. Lord God, we do have so much to be thankful for. Again, for the rain on the roof and the the sustenance to the earth that it brings. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for the, the plans that you have for our lives. That in each one of us, you are working to, to glorify your own name. And Lord, we are thankful for the way that you work in our lives, the way that you transform us from, from dead, dead in our sins to alive in Christ. Lord, we are thankful for the people that you have placed around us. And we ask, Lord, that you would continue to work in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. The last one, supplication. Basically a big word for asking or begging for God, to God for something. Asking earnestly or humbly for something. To petition God in prayer, to ask him to do something, either in us or in in the world or or in those around us. Would you agree that sometimes this is the first place we start? We come to God with, a, with no shortage of requests, with a list this long. We lay it out and, and it rolls across the floor as if it was a, a shopping list or a Christmas list. We have no shortage of things to ask God for, but I don't think this should be the first place that we start. If you look closely at Daniel's prayer, we see that Daniel's asking not just something for himself, but something for the nation of Israel. He's asking for the sake of the people of Israel 
But deeper than that, you can see that he's asking for the sake of God's holy name. He, he asks God to act because of the sake of God's holy name. Verse 19, the NIV says, Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay because your city and your people bear your name. Daniel is asking God to, to act because the nations around Israel and, and those in Babylon deride God and his holy name. He asked that God would act so that his name would be great again. Do we pray like this? We as Christians bear God's holy name. We've been set apart. We've been made holy through the, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We should be willing to pray to God so that our nation stops deriding his holy name. We should be willing to, to, to pray and ask God to act on account of his holy name so that people would know who he is. We should be asking for greater things than shopping centre car parks and Aunt Gladys's ingrown toenail. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 says, do not, ask, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. 1 Timothy 2.1 says, First of all, I, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions and thanksgivings be made for all people. We have a new Prime Minister this week. I've been really challenged to pray for our Prime Minister. I've been really challenged to, to not just criticise him because I wouldn't want his job for one, but to pray for him as well. It is good news that, that he confesses to know Jesus as his Lord and Saviour. Let's pray for those in our nation, in leadership amongst us. Let's pray for those who don't know God in our communities, that they would come to know him. Let's pray for those in our church, that we would continue to grow in holiness and love for one another. Let's pray to God to act and for Jesus to return and for this world to be set right again. And let's not pray just because of our own righteousness, but because we pray to one who is holy and righteous. Challenging things. Pray with me once more. Lord God, we are your people and we are called by your holy name. And we ask, Lord, for you to hear our prayers. We ask, Lord, for, for you to act, 
to make your name great among the nations again. We ask that you would no longer delay and that you would send Jesus to return. But Lord, in the meantime, we would be busy doing the things that you command us to do, to make disciples, to to spread your gospel throughout this world. Lord, we pray for Scott Morrison, our new Prime Minister, and, and the the fact of the large job that he has among, uh, ahead of him. We pray for our nation, Lord, that we would turn away from our sinful ways and, and turn to you. We pray that our lives and the lives of this nation, this world, would be changed on account of what Jesus has done for us. And we pray, Lord, that the knowledge of this would go out amongst us into places not yet reached. We ask, Lord, for you to listen and hear our prayers and for you to act on account of your holy name for the sake of your perfect Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Not only does this acronym remind us of some of the elements of prayer, and again I say that this is not the only useful tool for prayer, but it certainly shows us the priority that we should give in approaching God. If you struggle in your prayer life, I challenge you to make some necessary changes. Add some time into your week. Either go to bed early so you can get up earlier. Spend some time in prayer with God. Be it alone or with your spouse. Start some, your time with, with some scripture and, and try this acrostics, this acronym. Being frank, I'll, I'll say that I, I know there's more time in my life for prayer. I'm sure there's more time in your life for prayer as well. Let's not approach this out of a sense of obligation, trying to win God's favour, but let's approach this out of a sense of gratitude, being thankful for all that he has done for us with the intention of knowing God, of spending time with him, of adoring him, confessing our sins to him and thanking him for, for what he has done for, for us through Jesus, praying for others and ourselves. I'm inspired by Daniel, of his resolution to, to pray, especially in times of exile. And I hope you are too. We're going to come around the communion table very shortly if the the stewards would come forward. I believe this acronym can, can apply to this time as well. We can adore God because of what he has done for us 
that he is gracious, that he is holy and righteous. It also reminds us to confess our sins. Because it's a reminder of the sacrifice that was made because of our sin. It's a time to be thankful for and a time to pray and be reminded of the fact that Jesus will return. As the elements are handed out, I ask that you would hang on to the the cup and um, eat the bread in your own time, and then we'll drink together. Let me pray once more. Lord God, you are holy, you are just. And we are reminded of our, our sin. The fact that, that it cost you your son. And he died a painful, agonizing death for the sake of our forgiveness. For that, Lord, we are thankful. We're reminded of the eager uh, the, the return of Jesus. We wait with eagerness, Lord. We pray that, that you would not delay in acting. But Lord, all in your own time. Heavenly Father, thank you for what Jesus has done for us and what this time means to us. We pray that you would continue to challenge us in our times of prayer, in our time with you, reading your word and remembering the sacrifice that was made on our behalf. For this we pray in Jesus' name.